We're going to get it on the screen this morning, but if you want to follow me in your hard copies, that'll be all right. Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. I want to once again read out the New Living Translation. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits, thieves, robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Now go and do the same. This is a story told by Jesus to a professor of religion who thought he would test the accuracy, the intelligence, and the depth of the living word with a question. To sum it up, what this man and the church of today should see in these scriptures is that we should show mercy and compassion and love even to what we deem as the scum of the earth. Because when Jesus paralleled that Jewish man and that Samaritan to that expert in religious law, to that Jewish man, what he was basically comparing was dogs to people because the Jews looked on the Samaritans as dogs. They were actually the scum of the earth. So what Jesus was basically telling this man was, hey, even the scum of the earth is your neighbor, and you're to love them. You're to love them. The words of Jesus are now. Not tomorrow, not later, not when you turn into an adult, not when you get 
theological education. But now, go and do the same. And I believe that that's the sum of this story as to what God is saying in it on the surface. Go and do the same. Go to the ones you love. Go to the ones that you deem as scum. Love them. Show compassion to them. Give them mercy. They may not deserve it, but they are my creation. I died for them. That is what God is wanting us to know. And he wants us to love them. But what I want us to do is I want us to peel back the cover on this story today. And I want us to see the Good Samaritan as the modeled Christ. And I want us to see the Jewish man that fell into the hands of bandits, of robbers, of thieves as ourselves. So I want us to just kind of parallel that story in that manner. Because this is what I believe. I believe that when we begin to understand, when we begin to see, when we begin to have intimate knowledge of the agape love, and that agape means unconditional. It means that God's love for you is not conditioned on how much you prayed this week. God's love for you is not conditional upon how many scriptures in the Bible that you read this week. God's love for you is not conditional on how much money you put in the offering today. God is love, and he only knows one way to love. He loves with all that he is because he is love. Now, those things benefit and they profit our life. And once we discover when we lose our life, we really truly find that abundant life. But if we're to understand, when we begin to understand and have that intimate knowledge and we begin to see the agape love of God for us, then I believe that we'll respond back to his love. I mean, that's the way it is in the marriage. You know, the husband is the spiritual leader, and God gives instruction for the husband to love the wife as Christ loved the church. And it is the love of that husband, it is the love of that spiritual leader that the wife responds back to. So it is with the bride of Christ we respond back to God's love. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? So, But when we really get a picture of God's love for us and we really begin to understand it and have intimate knowledge of it, we're not only going to begin to love him, but we're going to love others as well. They, they go hand in hand. You, you can't love God and hate somebody. Amen. If you... Now, now, I know there's people that say they love God and, and they have unforgiveness and they have hate, but I don't think that they have really come to the depth of the love of God for them. Because when you do, it, it just can't happen. It can't happen. I, I, just, I, can, I can honestly stand before you today and say there is nobody that has died, is living, that I have anything against, that I have any unforgiveness. There is not a person that I could not embrace and love today with all my heart and bless them. There's not a person in this world that I couldn't pray for. There's not a person in this world that I wouldn't want to see the richness of God just consume them. And I've had some people betray me, and I've had some people gossip about me, and I've had some people do me wrong. 
But I want to tell you today, I can't hate them. I can't have unforgiveness in my heart against them. The love of God has consumed my entire being and all I know how to do anymore is love. And that's what God has called us to do, to love. Now, there was a time in my life that I would seek vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith Steve Gowd. It may take a day, it may take a week, it it may take a month, but I will repay you. I used to be that kind of person. But glory to God, the old man is dead. So I believe that we will love God and love others as we begin to understand and see this. So I want to just try to get through this this morning and just paint a picture. I I just kind of felt like God this morning during the praise and worship was telling me I'm making you an artist. I'm going to allow you, I'm going to gift you to just kind of paint a picture uh, that people can see some things in a deeper depth. Our travels through life, as it did with this man that we see here, can cause us to cross paths with some very destructive forces on this earth. I want to tell you, this world is full of darkness. It's full of evilness and wickedness. And I think the only good thing and the thing that it is holding it together is the Spirit, the Father, and the Son that lives and dwells within the church. It's its only light of hope. It's its only light of hope. But life simply isn't always fair. Although God is always good, life is simply not always fair. And we cross paths with some very destructive forces here on this earth. I dare I name a few. Hmm. Now one of the things that seemed to just, my mind kept going back to is, is one of those forces being Anxiety worry and depression it just seems like that that is a force that is so relevantly fighting God's people because there is so much uncertainty and so much pressure that surrounds us on a daily basis there's and there's so much sin that can affect our lives and touch it in a personal way. And maybe not all the time, not necessarily even our sins, but maybe even the sins of others can just touch our lives. Sins of betrayal and addictions. It seems like that you're constantly hearing of some new drug. that's hitting our streets and that's overtaking the youth of America and of the nations. There's so much demonic stuff out there. There's so many things that try to draw you in and catch you in, you know, promising and you things 
that they can never fulfill, that will never fulfill. That's got such a witchcraft spirit on it. There's just so much hurt and so much pain and so many things. And that was the case with this man. Here he was. I don't know. He, he was by himself. He may, it may have been a beautiful day. The Bible doesn't say, but let my imagination just run wild a little bit with you this morning. It may have been a beautiful sunny day. And the birds may have been flying from tree to tree just chirping and singing their songs. And the wildlife maybe just moving about and around. And I, I don't know what he was on his way to Jericho for. Maybe he lived in Jerusalem. Maybe he'd went there to worship at the holy city. Maybe he lived in Jericho. Maybe he was on his way back. Maybe he'd went there conducting business and made some big business transaction and maybe his pockets were full of money. He was on his way back to gather his family together and to take them out for dinner that night. He was planning on stopping at the local mall on the way home and buying some gifts for them and showering them with gifts. And he was just singing. His heart was over flood with joy. He was smiling from ear to ear and everything was just fine. And all of a sudden, he, his path in life crosses path with something very destructive and something very evil. And it leaves him laying there. I want to tell you, there's some nasty junk out there that can get such a devastating grip on you that you cannot possibly shake free of it on your own strength. We're talking, I mean, it will literally suck the hope of a normal lifestyle completely out of you. That bad stuff will rip you apart physically, mentally, and emotionally while holding you in a tormenting prison. And I just feel that there's some people in this house this morning that are dealing with some nasty junk in their lives, and they've been dealing with it for a while. And their life has been turned upside down. And their hope for a normal lifestyle once again is dwindling hour by hour, moment by moment. And that's what happens many times in life. You see, the world is cruel. And it will leave you like it did this man, stripped, beaten, and laying lifeless on the pathway of life as it did with him. The Bible says that the man was left half dead beside the road. In other words, he's dying. Here it's a physical death. But in real life, as we are living and witnessing today, it can be a mental death. It can be an emotional death. It can be a financial death. It can be a a, a physical death. It can be a spiritual death. And he's been left in a state where he's absolutely helpless to help himself. 
They have stolen all of his money. They have stolen a, anything, a watch, jewelry, anything that he said. They have stripped his clothes off from him. They have beat him mercilessly, and he is lying there half dead on the side of the road. And he cannot help himself. There's some people I believe under the sound of my voice this day as you feel helpless this morning. You don't know where to turn. You don't know where to go. And you can't help yourself. Get out of the funk that you're in. And that's the cards that life has dealt you this morning. And you can, you can put your mask on and you can put your smile on and you can make the people around you and you can convince them that everything's okay and you're going to make it. But I want you to know that those lonely hours that you're laying on your couch or at your bed or you're standing in your work or you're in your car and you're crying and you're shedding your tears and your mind is filled with chaos. I want you to know that there is a God in heaven there is a good Samaritan that understands where you're at and he cares about you you see if someone doesn't come along and help him then he's going to die prematurely and the first sign that usually shows up of hope is the church It was a priest and a temple assistant that came along first. And before we start forming our religious opinions, let's remember we're all a part of this holy and royal priesthood. It's kind of funny how people want to tear and run down the church and everything. They're cutting their own throat. We are the church. We're the church that Jesus Christ is building. We are all a holy and a royal priesthood. Now I understand the church definitely has some issues to deal with. And, and I guess while we're here this morning, let's just take a look at a couple. But I don't want to get too far off course this morning. First, the Bible says, by chance, the priest came along. The Amplified Translation says, by coincidence, the priest came along. First, the church has got to quit moving down the road of chance and coincidence and begin walking on the path of expectancy and destined opportunities. If we're not prepared for what's around the next corner, we're going to miss our opportunity with destiny. I can't stay there too long. So let's go to number two. Second, the church's perception has got to change. The scriptures say that both the priest and the temple assistant, the church, saw and looked upon the half-dead man. Our perception must change. This royal and holy priesthood, the church of the living God, must begin to see what's half-dead is in all reality half-alive. We've got to begin to see through the eyes of God. We've got to begin to use the mind of Christ that is in us. We can no longer afford to look upon the half-dead souls of 
of humanity as hopeless. The faith of the church, the faith of the church, the faith of the church must arise in the power of who she is and declare over the downcast of our society, over the church, over the nations, it's not too late for that individual to fully live again. I just want to declare that over your life today. You may feel like you're half dead mentally, physically, financially, emotionally, psychologically, but I want to declare over your life that there is one watching over you that never lose sight of you. He knows what you're going through. He feels your pain today and he is going to bring you fully back to life again and you're going to walk in the fullness of your destiny and what he's put in you is going to be used to glorify him once again. If I'm not careful, I'm going to start acting like a Pentecostal preacher. All emotional and passionate excited I was at a general assembly one time church of God denomination and um, Reinhard Bonnke was speaking powerful man of God great missionary to Africa and to the nations And I guess he was trying to be dignified. But he said one day he received a revelation from the Lord. And it was revealed unto him that dignity is not a fruit of the Spirit. The thing is, this morning, God isn't wanting us to look at the church. But he's wanting us to see Jesus, who is the foundation of the church. And along comes the Good Samaritan. I don't believe that there's a person in this place this morning that isn't thankful that along came the Good Samaritan. He is our Jesus. Now like this Samaritan, when God sees you helplessly lying there, he cannot help but immediately begin to flow out of who he is with the compassion he so deeply has for you and thus releasing all he is into you. I mean, immediately when this good Samaritan saw this man, he went to him, and he began to soothe his wounds. He began to, uh, it was a mixture of oil and wine. It was, it was a medicine. It was a healing balm in those days. He began to administer that to that guy. He began to just bandage him up. He was moved with compassion. He was moved with mercy. Uh, compassion is the yearning of the bowels. It's something that just literally flows and yearns and comes up deep from within a person. And he had just so much compassion. He couldn't help himself. He, he couldn't help himself. Your brokenness, your state of lowliness just attracts the compassion 
of your heavenly Father to you. And he just releases a healing balm into your life. Now, while the good Samaritan walked, he placed the man upon provision, which carried him. You see, those are God's footprints in the sand. You familiar with that point? Amen. He doesn't leave us at the lowest point in our life. He's always there. The thief, our enemy, will try to blind us to his presence, will try to blind us to his beauty, will try to callous us to his touch. will try to harden us against his love. And as he did with the disciples on the night of the storm when Jesus was asleep in the boat and they thought they were going to drown and die and they came, don't you care, Jesus, that we're about to drown? He will also lie to you and deceive you into thinking that God doesn't care about you anymore. He's no longer concerned. He's written you off. You're a failure. You've done too many bad things in your life, and he simply can't love you anymore. There's nothing that he can do with you. Those are the lies and the deception of Satan. He will beat you up. I want to tell you what, condemnation and guilt and unworthiness, that will literally, once again, it's one of the things that we cross uh, paths with in this life, and it will absolutely bring you into bondage. God loves you. And at those low points in your life, he picks you up. He's made provision to carry you in this season at those low times in your life. The good Samaritan took this poor soul to an inn, to a hotel. I don't know if it was five-star or not. But if he invested this much into the man... I'd like to think it was. What happens? What does the weary driver do when he stops at a hotel? He sleeps. He rests. You can just sleep through this storm. God's got this. God's got this. Restoration begins with rest. Resting in the Savior. See, there's no problem too big that God cannot solve it. There is no mountain too tall he cannot move it. There is no storm too dark that God cannot calm it. There is no sorrow too deep that he cannot soothe it. If he carried the weight of this world upon his shoulders, and I know my brother and my sister, he will carry you. I, I don't believe we'd be missing it if we symbolically saw the innkeeper as the Holy Spirit. Jesus will not leave us alone. Watch this. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. The Samaritan just empowered and charged the innkeeper to take care of this man until he returned. 
You see that? The good Samaritan just empowered and charged the innkeeper to take care of this man until he got back. I want to tell you what, Jesus is coming again. I can't get ahead of myself now. Slow down, Pastor. John chapter 14, John chapter 14, verses 16, 17, and 18. John chapter 14, verses 16, 17, and 18. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he may remain with you forever. Look at your neighbor and say forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, that is welcome, take to its heart, because it does not see him or know and recognize him. But you know and recognize him, for he lives within you constantly and will be in you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's in you. Look back at the neighbor that just told you that and say, amen. I will not leave you as orphans. Comfortless, desolate, bereaved. That word is forsaken there. Helpless. I will come back to you. Wow. That ought, that ought to just light you up right there. The word has empowered the Holy Spirit to take care of whatever we need. I really don't think I should even say anything right there. It's really hard not to, but I think I'll just let the Holy Spirit do the talking in your spirit because he's more than enough. He's more than enough. It's not always, what we fall into isn't always somebody else's fault. Sometimes we create a mess with our lives. But I want you to know God still loves you and he is still there to fix the mess that you've made. He loves you unconditionally and he is, Jesus is the our good Samaritan Jesus is at the Father's right hand. He's praying over you, but he has not left you alone. The innkeeper, the Holy Spirit has been empowered. The Word has empowered the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God to take care of whatever you need. Wow. In, in Genesis chapter 1, it says that the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the voidness and the darkness. Then all of a sudden, the Word goes forth, and then all of a sudden, there's light. That Word empowered the Spirit, and the Spirit moved, and there it was. The Samaritan's words were, if his bill runs higher than this, if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay it back when I return. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay it back when I return. I want you to see something here. He'd never put a limit on the spending. He didn't say, don't go over $100. He didn't say, don't go over one or two sins. He didn't say, don't go over three or four faults. 
He said, if his bill, the good Samaritan said, if his bill runs higher than what I just gave you, when I get back, I'll pay it. I'll make it right. God's saying, you can't run up a, run up a debt that I cannot cover. God's wanting the church to know you can't run up a debt that I cannot cover. My goodness. When we begin to see the darling of heaven for who he really is, then it will restore things back to the state of wholeness. Jesus is our good Samaritan this morning, and he's there. He's working on your behalf. The Spirit is there. I want to leave you with something this morning. And then we're going, to, we're going to move into an altar service and just take some time there. But I just want to leave you with this. How many believe that the return of Jesus is, is really close? Would you, would you just raise your hand? If you don't believe it, that's fine. Just don't raise your hand. That's, I don't want you to, to do anything that's not true. I'm just, I'm just curious. I, I believe that with all my heart. Uh, in the New Testament, it says that God is not slow concerning his promise. It's not his will that any should perish. That's why he delays. That's why he's tearing his coming. And he's still reaching souls on a daily basis. The church is growing. The church is still growing just like it was in Acts. may not be growing a lot here in the United States, but it's growing across the earth. It's growing across the earth. But but I want to leave you with this little nugget. Just, 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 Just some food for thought. Just some food for thought. The Samaritan left two silver coins. That was equivalent to two-day salary. In some translation, it even breaks it down. I think in the Amplified, it says two days' wages. I think it was called a denaros. Left two denaros, if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, but anyways, here in, in the New Living Translation, it says two silver coins. But it was equivalent to two days' wages. Is there a message there? Is God trying to tell his church something. You see, I understand that no man knoweth the hour. But is it possible that we could know the season? I know he's coming as a thief in the night. But is he giving us a message there? Is he, is he speaking to the church? Was he saying, I'll be returning on the third day? When he gave that innkeeper when he empowered the innkeeper to take care of that man and gave him two days' wages, was he saying that on the third day I'm going to be back and anything over that that you spend on those two days that I'll pay? Food for thought. Was he saying that on the third day I'm going to be back? Because if we're seeing something here that God is wanting us to see, and I'll let the Spirit perfect whatever he's wanting to do in your mind and in your heart and in your spirit, I'll leave that to him. But a thousand years is a day. And a day is as a thousand years with the Lord. A day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day with the Lord. We are living in the year 2013. Prophetically, we are in the third day. We are early in the third day. Jesus arose early on the third day. Is there a message? His word has empowered the Holy Spirit to take care of us. How close are we to the rapture of the church? How close are we to Jesus splitting the eastern sky? 
with the voice of the archangel, with the sound of a trumpet, with a shout. How close is the dead in Christ? How close is the sea and the ground, the earth? How close are they in giving up the dead in Christ? And then we which are yet alive and remain still here on this earth shall be caught up together with them in the air, in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. God is not a man that he should lie. He's coming. He's coming. But until he does, he has empowered the Spirit to take care of us. Whatever we need. Your debt has not ran up too high. Jesus can't cover it.